Welcome to the Spring Forth Podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording was made on April 18th, 2021, the third Sunday of Easter. Good morning. Let's see, as, as far as announcements go, I'm back, that's one of them. Uh, the, the other announcements, Steve Milligan has something that he'd like to highlight for this morning. Are there other announcements that we would like to highlight this morning? Anything of general concern? Do you want to announce the meeting for Thursday? Okay. And for our ecumenical, those of you who are part of the ecumenical meeting, we'd like to resume. And I think we're going to meet 1130 this week, this Thursday at Maggie's, just to sort of think about our future schedule, 4th of July, and also VBS to see what our thoughts are, are in that direction. Prayer concerns at large are one for Dallas Thompson, the brother of, of Dylan Thompson, who has been placed into hospice. This has been really devastating news because Dallas is like 30 years old, but his, his uh, situation has not been as encouraging as we would like. So please continue to keep Dallas and, and family in our prayers. Also for Roger Dran, who has requested prayers for an upcoming procedure that he is going to have tomorrow for pain relief. He's in a significant amount of pain and, and would like the cover of our prayers to assist him as he works towards finding a solution, something that he can live with and will be not too hard on his body as well. So with those, that in mind, let us have our prayer lead.
invite you to join with me on the invocation as it is printed in the bulletin. God be with you. Let us pray. O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of the bread, open the fact we, sorry, I, I messed you up. Open the eyes of our faith that we may hold him in the redeeming, his redeeming work, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You can tell the man's been on vacation. <laughs> Might be a little rocky today. <laughs> Our opening hymn is 31, found in the book. join together in our responsive reading, Psalm 4. Answer me when I call. 
O God, defender of my cause, you set me free when I am hard-pressed. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Know that the Lord does wonders for the faithful. When I call upon the Lord, he will hear me. Offer the appointed sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when grain and wine and oil increase. lesson this morning is this Acts 3, 12 through 19. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, you Israelites, why do you wander at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our power or piety we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate. Though he, had, though he had decided to release him. But you re rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have him murdered, given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To these we are all witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made it, this man strong in whom to see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus that has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also our rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, and his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God, so that, our, so that your sins may be wiped out. The second reading is 1 John 3, 1 through 7. See what Lord the Father has given us, that we shall be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that they do not know him. Beloved, we are God's children's now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do, not know, what we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin in guilty of lawlessness, sin is lawlessness. 
You know what he has revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The gospel for this morning comes to us from Luke chapter 24, 36b through 48. And in this passage, we take into account that these are things that are still happening on Easter Day. And although we are now several weeks into the Easter season, we have to imagine these events that are, that are being played out all on the same day. So with that, let me get my text ready here. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I, myself. Touch and see me, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while in their joy and their disbelieving, some were still wondering, he said to them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you, and I am still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to the understanding of the scriptures, and he said to them, this is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead, on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, giving you thanks and praise for all that you have made possible for this season of resurrection, for the semblance of normalcy that is creeping back into our lives for the courage to face the things that we simply cannot control and to find a new way of being. You have been consistent in during with us and because of your mainstay and the hope that you have breathed into weary bodies and minds we thank you. We want to feel the power of your resurrection, not just merely as words on a page, but the reality in our own living bodies. May you continue to renew us with your word. May that hope spring hope in us. May it drive us forward. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be an acceptable offering to you, one which you find pleasing. Receive this act of consecration for we do present ourselves, and we ask that you would bless, keep, and guide us now and always in your most holy name. Amen. The season of resurrection, Easter carrying on, us continuing to hear testimony of the resurrection of Christ. On Easter Sunday, we heard a passage from Mark, the women going to the tomb, wondering 
who is going to roll away the stone and having their minds so occupied by that great obstacle. In their minds, Jesus was still very much dead. He was a body to be anointed and to be redressed, not somebody to address. Last week, though I wasn't here, I assume Terry may have touched off on Thomas and the encounter that Jesus had with Thomas that came from the Gospel of John. Now we have the continuing passage in Luke where just moments earlier before this passage that we heard today, Jesus had an encounter with Cleopas and another disciple who were on their way to Emmaus. And they were talking about the things that had happened over the weekend. And they were talking about how they had such great hopes that Jesus was going to be the one to save them. Jesus joined these individuals along the walk and they didn't recognize him. I think their grief and their confusion, their anxiety were kept from recognizing Jesus. And so he asked them, he's like, well, what are you talking about as you travel along the way? And they look at him as if he's some outlander who has no sense of the things that have been happening because the entire area of Jerusalem has been brewing with the arrest and the crucifixion of Jesus. That was the leading story. They begin to tell Jesus about himself. They begin to say Jesus of Nazareth, and he was going to be a prophet, mighty in word and deed, and we had hoped he would be the redeemer of the world. But unfortunately, sadly, he was betrayed and given up. He was arrested, beaten, treated like a common criminal, and crucified. And we are now lamenting his death. There have been some accounts that women who had gone to the grave had seen him alive, but we have no such record of events. And Jesus lets them unfold this story, and then he turns to them and says, how slow of heart you are to believe. And in that instance, as Jesus enters into the house with them and they begin to celebrate a meal together, Jesus takes the bread, even though he's the guest. He takes the bread and he breaks it, and immediately they recognize that this is indeed Jesus before them. But as soon as they recognize him, he vanishes from their sight. And the disciples get up and they head back to Jerusalem because they want to tell the others that indeed the Lord is risen and he is among them. So we find Jesus here in this passage this morning that he is now having an encounter with the other disciples just after he had an encounter with those who were on their way to Emmaus. And as he appears to them, they are filled with anxiety and fear. As much as they wanted to see Jesus, and they did, somehow the imprint and the image of him having been cold and dead and in that tomb was too much of a hard and fast reality for them to be able to switch gears. So now he's standing in front of them and says, peace be with you, and it looks like Jesus, kind of how they remembered him, but he's resurrected, so his appearance is a little different. It's altered. It's not of this world, so... They, they, want, they want to engage him, but they're frightened. They want to rejoice, but they're terrified. They want to be able to acknowledge that God has done this wonderful thing, but yet they still doubt. They still doubt. And Jesus, realizing that they need a little bit extra assurance, says, look, you know it's me. Look at my wounds. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Do not, don't, don't act weird. It's, it's me. But he has to go a step further because they're still sort of like, and he says, look, you got anything to eat? <laughs> you have anything, is there any food in the house? 
Uh, so you expect Jesus to show up at your place, go right to your fridge. Is there anything to eat? They say, well, we, some, some broiled fish here. And they hand him a fish, and he eats it in their presence as if to say, let me ascertain to you that I am not a ghost, that I am flesh and blood, that I do live again. And there's such rich symbolism in Jesus and eating this, this broiled fish. It harkens back to the time when the multitudes had gathered and Jesus had, he was teaching and the disciples became concerned because the hour was getting late and they're like, you need to send these people away because we don't have enough food to feed them and it's still time they can go to the shops, neighboring towns and villages and, and get something to eat. And Jesus turns to them and says, you give them something to eat. Now this is a very important transaction there because Jesus took on disciples not in order that he would have sycophants and toadies hanging around him, but in order that they might be able to learn how he engaged the world because someday it would be their and our responsibility to serve the world in the same manner that he served the world. So he says, you give them something to eat. And that's when they, again, they panicked because it was a multitude of individuals and all they had was five loaves and two fish. And they said, what is that among so many? And we know how the story unfolds that Jesus took the loaves and took the fish and blessed them and began to distribute them. And when the meal was collected after everyone had eaten their fill, it says there were like 12 baskets full. Like the, the food had miraculously multiplied. Now I won't, I won't get it. You can... You can you can catch the sermon that I did on, on that miracle. It's somewhere in the archives, so we won't have to get into all the scholarly harangue about that. But Jesus now, in asking for a piece of broiled fish, it's twofold. First of all, he's establishing his human identity, that indeed I do live again, and I am, I am with you, I am amongst you. So he's establishing that. But in asking them, do you have anything to eat, it harkens back to that invitation that he says, and you will feed the multitudes. You will go on and become the individuals who will take my message into the world in service. It's a call to service. Jesus doesn't say anything new in this encounter. What he is doing is he is reestablishing all the things that he had told his disciples before he went to the cross. And I think that he knew instinctively one, he's the son of God, but he also knew instinctively that the sight of his death, the sight of his being given up, the sight of the arrest and the sort of being broken in the fashion that he was, he knew that that would leave such an indelible impression upon them that he would need to bring even stronger medicine for them to erase that image of his demise and embrace the image that he lives again. And that because he lives again, which means everything that he said before the fulfillment of the prophecy, everything that he said before God delivered him from the tomb and rescued him from the, the brink of the grave, that all of that still holds true and it still holds weight. That the message of Jesus isn't valid just because he triumphed over the grave. It was valid even before he went to the cross. Service to one another, love, compassion forbearance. All of these things were, were still spot on even before he went to the cross. But now that he comes back and lives amongst them as somebody who has had the, the breath of life 
sort of renewed back into his body, it's even more paramount for the disciples and for each and every one of us to recognize that God is not messing about. This is not a game here. God said, I would make good on this promise. I told you that I would, I would absolve you of your sins. I would send a savior into the world and I would not remove my love from him. And so as a result of, of those disciples and us being able to witness this, how then does that change our trajectory of, of where we are to go and, and how we are to engage? Are we still wrapped with, with fear and anxiety because we realize that the world is just as exceedingly violent now as it has ever been? And we feel powerless. In fact, I got to tell you, I, like, I do tangential ministry here. So prepare yourself. Tangent coming. Tangent. During my time visiting with my mother, I feel like, I mean, we had a rich and wonderful visit, catching up, telling stories, listening to stories, just being in each other's presence, which was fantastic, very renewing. But I also realized that every time we flipped on the news to watch, I was sort of correlating how many instances of gun violence were taking place just in that little brief week that I was with my mom. I'm like, what are we up to now? Five or six? I've lost count. And I realized that there's this constant reminder that even though we might take a departure from the everyday, we might take a departure from the world, we might have some nice interlude, that the, the brokenness of the world, we never really can outrun that, can we? We can dive into a good novel, have a good visit, watch a good program, we can escape. Right? We can escape, but when we return back to our responsibilities, when we return back, when we re-engage, we realize that the world is still in the same condition that we left it when we took our little bit of a departure, when we were sort of off having some other event and some other sequence, pretending that perhaps maybe we'd come back and everything would be made right. And so Jesus is recognizing that his disciples are still they're still caught up in the reality and the violence of his death. And so he's standing before them and saying, I am real. These fears that you have are unwarranted. I am the guy that you saw. I was, we, we had the last supper together. We, we traveled. We did ministry. I laid hands on the sick and healed them. You know me. And yet their mind was unwilling to relinquish those last images of their rabbi, their friend, dying on the cross. I have to admit that is a rather alarming and arresting image. So to see that and then to have the living, breathing man before you, you might need a couple of more passes before it truly sticks. When they can finally settle into the reality that Jesus is indeed alive, that he is before them, then Jesus is like, he picks right up where he left off. He's like, nothing about the mission has changed. Nothing about the responsibilities of following me and being knit together in my personality has changed. None of that has changed. I've absolved you perhaps of your sins, but not of the obligation to go and to bless this world. And that's, that's the intricacy. That's where it becomes challenging and, and difficult for us because we recognize and we feel, I feel, I feel, I can't speak for you. You speak for yourself. 
I feel challenged against the exceedingly great levels of brokenness that I observe in the world. I feel as if one individual, I cannot pray effectively, I cannot address these concerns effectively, I want to, I want to resign from the world and say, let me just go off and dabble and putter around the, the house and just take up woodworking. Do, do something that, that doesn't require that I have to think about the constant carnage of individuals treating one another badly. Maybe perhaps you can relate with that. Maybe there's some at a gut level, you've reached your point, you have become fatigued with the world and its constant lust and drive for emptiness. Maybe you are astonished at the capacity that we have to treat one another miserably. And there's always some new and inventive way that we can sell someone out or just destroy them. And perhaps maybe you have gotten to the point where you're like, and what is exactly is God trying to teach us? Because that's a question that I've asked more often than not, at least in this past year, if not throughout my time as a minister. What is God trying to teach us? What have I yet to learn as a disciple? What have I yet to convey as a pastor in terms of how it is that we can face this incredible level of fragility in the world, fear, vexation, that can only be satisfied with lashing out and destruction? So Jesus stands before these disciples and says, yes, you saw violent things. Violent things were done to me. I was whipped. I was beaten. I was arrested. I was, I was, I was given up by the crowd who wanted Barabbas instead of me. Yes, you saw all these things happen. You saw me affixed between two thieves. You saw me dead and placed in a tomb. All of these things happened. Jesus says, yes, I was there, and you were there, and you witnessed these things, and you were afraid they were coming for you. So you went, and you hid yourselves away. Peter, I forgive you. I know you denied me. You did what you could. You went into survival mode. But I'm back. I am back, and I am telling you that all that you thought you knew and all that you thought you saw and all the weapons of destruction that you thought could lay low this message, I tell you, it is nothing in comparison to the might and the strength and the renewal that God has and will bring to you. Now, for those disciples to hear that message from the very same individual who experienced these things which they, they thought were quite final, has to at some point begin to reconfigure their interior. That they, as they listen to him, as they look to him, because none of us have this experience, none of us. I mean, we might have the experience of somebody that we knew back in the day and there's been maybe a 30 or a 40 year gap and we didn't know what they were up to and all of a sudden somehow we reconnect my mother has encounters like this all the time. I probably shouldn't tell these stories because 
lets you know that my mother enjoys in her pastimes. But there have been times when my mother has gone to Reno, and you know what you do in Reno, right? And she was there enjoying her one-armed bandits, and she would have someone come and tap her on the shoulder. And mom doesn't like to be disturbed when she's in her, in her, in her element. And you probably don't either. You don't like anyone's shoulder surfing as you're doing your double diamonds. So she gets someone who taps her on her shoulder, and she turns around, and the woman goes, Verona? And mom's like, do I know you? She's like, yes! We, our husbands served in the military together. I, I, I haven't seen you since 64. And mom's like, my gosh. And then immediately, she's not interested in gambling anymore. <laughs> now she wants to catch up with this friend that she hasn't seen in like 40 years. So these stories actually do happen. So that's the closest that we have in terms of somebody who was in our life, somebody that we knew. Lives differed. We took different paths. And then all of a sudden, we've reconnected. But we have nothing like this account. And this was only three days. We have nothing like this account of actually watching somebody die. And now, three days later, they're like hanging out with you. Mind-blowing. But Jesus comes back and says, listen. I know you have some anxiety, there's been some fear, there's been some concerns, but I am telling you I have overcome these things. And now I'm asking you, I'm, I'm encouraging you to trust and to believe in that promise because you see it has been fulfilled in me. But it will be completed in you. And that's what Jesus is telling us. He is telling us through these stories of resurrection is that he began the promise. He began it. He, he set the wheels in motion. But it is only completed in us. It is only completed in our willingness to be able to not be, not be overcome by the misery of the world, which is strong and full of force and constantly fed. But we have to not play into that. We have to not want to desire to recriminate. We have to want to not desire to, to take on that destructive spirit because it is contrary to the message that Jesus is giving us to be renewers. We are called to be renewers. We are called to find hope in hopeless situations. We are called not to insist that those individuals got what they deserved, whoever died in this or that destruction. It is difficult to be a person of faith because we are constantly encouraged to look with eyes to see wholeness, to look with eyes to find hope, to find ways of being compassionate with an inconsiderate people to be able to see the large picture and to not think as individuals, but to think as a collective. So Jesus comes back to his disciples and says, we're still in this together. Now I'm on limited time and at some point I'm going to ascend. But the message to love one another, to keep space for one another, to be concerned about the well-being for one another, he goes, that hasn't changed. So if anything else, Jesus comes back from the grave basically to say, ditto. And he spends time with his disciples reinforcing and reestablishing that message which we have now become inheritors of. So, friends, it's not an easy road out there. It's not. We still have continued debates about how to deal with this ongoing pandemic, our 
comfort levels with the safety requirements, the rise and fall of which states are opening and which states should be encouraged to shut down, and the highly politicization is just about everything that you can think of. So for us to navigate these things with our faith is indeed a challenge. What hope, what renewal, what assurance can Jesus give us so we can remain consistent in our faith display, even in the midst of everything else that's coming in at us? It's this promise that comes to Jesus that says, the things that I have taught you have not changed. The patience that he encourages, the love that seems to have no end, and the easy manner of his forgiveness, these are the things, these are the things that we need to practice and renew and reinforce in our constitution so that way these disciplines went out. So we actually truly do become a people who are slow to anger, quick to love, quick to listen, quick to hold space. And we can be informed by this renewing gospel. Invite Jesus to come and give us the assurance that indeed he is the real deal. And the only thing I can do is to say, you know, dwell in that space where you are your truest self, where the anger and the anxiety and the resentment cannot penetrate. We all have that space where no one and no thing will take our joy from us. It's in that space where I believe that Christ resides. I think Jesus is just asking us to enlarge that space so there's more room for the attributes of Christ and less for the broken and hostile world that only wishes our destruction. Yes, our responsive hymn is number 455.
As we enter into the fellowship of prayer, let us keep in mind those who are sick and suffering, forefronts of our minds, and also just our own peace of mind, the things that we are still wrestling with and dealing with as we make our way through this time and, and hope, it is our desire, to always bear a good witness. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, giving you thanks for this day that you have given to us, for the season of resurrection, for the opportunity to move through the scriptures of the stories of the disciples' encounter with the risen Christ, to place ourselves in their likeness, to imagine their anxiety, their fear, their elation, but their hesitancy, to just place ourselves in those human vicissitudes which remind us that sometimes we feel as if we're, our eyes are deceiving us. We can scarcely believe what, what we're witnessing. And then when we were able to check the veracity of things, then we, we know. And what we want is to be able to glimpse more of you in the everyday, more signs of your compassion and enduring love, not only to experience it, but to perhaps maybe even be participants in it. Give us the strength and the patience to make it through these challenging and unique time in order that we might not have our faith greatly unraveled, but perhaps maybe even bolstered, that we can be witnesses to great deeds and great deliverance. We set our prayers and minds on Dallas Thompson, who's been placed in hospice. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to let your spirit fall upon him in a state of renewal, that you would envelop his family and all who are dealing with uh, the ongoing situation of his health and the decisions that they have to make, and quite possibly the preparations as his situation continues to unfold. It is a heavy time for this community. So I ask that you would bear him up, surround him with the prayers that we offer, that we might learn something during all of this. We ask ourselves, what is there to learn? But there's always lessons, difficult as they may be. Be with Roger Dran as he readies himself for an appointment which should hopefully bring him some answers and some pain relief. Having heard testimony of chronic pain, and I have nothing to compare it to, but when you hear stories of those who live with chronic pain, the weight, the psychological burden that it brings is at times almost unbearable. It is very hard to be present with others, with life in general, even with the pleasurable things when there is this constant and gnawing pain that is taking place in your body. You are enslaved. You feel like a prisoner. I pray for those whose pain is not only physical but emotional as well, 
we often overlook these things. The pain that no one can truly speak of because it is deep-seated. But it ensnares just like anything else. I pray for the renewal of churches and congregations that the people may have hope, feel the desire to re-engage, be excited to rediscover Christ all over again. We are all coming out of our own form of exile and it takes time. So help guide us, God. Continue to be patient with us as we make our way through. And for the ongoing deliberations that are taking place in, in our country, ongoing conversations about the pandemic, ongoing conversations about our immigration policy, and the role of owning firearms and ongoing gun violence, lots of talking points, racial injustice, the list goes on. For these many highly debatable issues, help us to address these concerns through the eyes of faith, to try to engage the world with the imprint of Christ, risen Savior. May he breathe some wisdom into us, or at least better composure. But for those who are grieving the death of loved ones from COVID and or violence, we ask that you be with them, Lord. Be real to them. Speak your words of comfort and help us all to make a better showing in the ways that we can. Receive the prayers of your people that are gathered here and online. Receive them in Jesus' name. Loving and most merciful God, giving you thanks for receiving these, the prayers of your people. Collect them into your care. Let your blessing fall upon us as we pray as one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now I invite our usher, usher, yeah. Let's, let's, Steve's still healing, so. Usher, come forward to receive the offering.
Loving most merciful God, receive these gifts that you have made possible. Allow them to bless and consecrate this ministry that would echo far beyond these walls. Work in us that we too may leave the imprint of the risen Christ wherever we happen to go. Receive these gifts for the sake of he who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. I invite you to join together in our covenant, which is in the opening cover of the hymnal. We covenant with the Lord and with one another and do bind ourselves in the presence of God to walk together in his holy ways. We will strive to be doers of the word and not hearers only, to be firm in faith, quickened in hope, and constant in charity. And we will consecrate our time, talent, substance, and influence as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. God of grace and God of glory, you indeed did feed the multitude and you brought out within them stores of compassion. They no longer looked at one another as individuals, but they saw themselves as the greater family of Christ and of God. And so we ask now that as we prepare to receive this meal, you would remind us that we are part of the great household of faith, many houses of worship knit together, striving to make and bear witness to this Christ who has triumphed over the grave and has reminded us again, the rules have not changed. We are still called to serve one another. Help us to try to embody this message to the best of our ability each and every day that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he celebrated with his disciples. He took bread, he divided it, and says, this is my body which has been given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread of life. They then shared the cup. It says, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for the remission of sins. Let us take the cup of salvation. As often as we do eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, thank you hardly seems sufficient for all that you provide for us, but it probably is the most effective and potent prayer that we can ever offer to you. Well, we can heap up Words and empty phrases, trust me, pastors are perfected in that art. But thank you. Well, that gets it done. So, loving God, thank you. Amen. We join together in our closing hymn, number 417. And if you are so inclined, you may stand.
receive the blessing. And now may the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you now and always. May it keep you and guide you in peace. Amen.